Welcome in, everybody, to Fantasy Pros. This is the Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It is me, Joey P. Joe P. Zapia, and it's a new year, and I'm happy to say those words. Today, we've got a fun show as we kick off our official videos for the year in fantasy baseball over here at fantasy pros mlb don't forget to subscribe to the youtube channel so you can watch leading off every single day when the season kicks off before that does we're going to take you through the headlines going into the 2024 baseball season some of the biggest moves the shakes everything that's been going on right now including some of the adp and some big questions that we still have remaining with more off season to go but the biggest free agent acquisition all year is clearly one man and it's clearly now the full-time voice of Fantasy Pros MLB, my dude and your favorite, the Welsh, Chris Welsh, everybody. So Welsh, it's so nice to have you here officially in this capacity as a full-timer. You've been with us the last few seasons, but now it's nice that we avoided arbitration. We went right to the long-term contract with you. So this is great, and I can only hope that you have a no-trade clause. That's my only hope. Opt-outs are always questionable, but we made sure there were lots of bonuses uh, that were locked in. And bottom line, put a ring on it. So I'm not wearing one, but yeah. Well, yeah. I am married, actually, too, by the way. I was going to say, maybe your wife work. should uh, talk to you about that. Uh, but yeah, well, you know. <laughs> Get get a little bit older, get a little bit uh, bigger sometimes, oh, Joe, and uh, let your let those fingers uh, breathe a little bit. No, but I'm very happy, and I'm hoping, and as I'm attempting to do, put my footprint on uh, baseball here at Fantasy Pros pretty thoroughly. So I've uh, I've already dug deep in. We've got lots of great plans. Joe and I have been talking through what this entire uh, preseason is going to look like, and this is the best way to approach it. Right here is setting you guys up not just with like the ten biggest acquisitions or changes or pieces of news these are the 10 biggest fantasy headlines things that are going to impact your brain when you start digging into your fantasy teams which you should do you know like right now Yes, now's a good time. We're going to put our feet in the dirt. Uh, Welsh and I, I'm sure at some point, will put our feet in our mouths because that's what we do best. And we're going to talk baseball. And that's what we're going to be doing here. Plus, don't forget the Fantasy Baseball Black Book is available right now. Welsh and I Jeez. wrote up all that stuff for you. Go get that on Amazon. We've also got our rankings up over fantasybros.com. And Draft Wizard is going to be open for business for MLB very quickly. Welsh's rankings up. Mine will be up hopefully later in the week. But let's get to the headlines. And let's start with the number one pick in Fantasy Baseball. It's pretty easy. Last year, we had some contenders. But right now, it's wrong. Acuna. NFBC is saying it's Ronald Acuna. I think we all agree if it's Ronald Acuna. It's hard to argue after the Ronald Acuna season. I, I told you one thing off air. I won't I, I'd say exactly what it was, but the dev team back here working on, we got an awesome team that are working on the projections and everything for the site. And the, the first thing that spit out, Ronald Acuna's numbers and dollar value was so absurd. Everyone had to look at each other and be like, is this right? And I was like, no, I got to bring this down a little yeah. bit. That's like $100, how valuable is. $90, bucks, a little too much maybe in the, uh, <laughs> yeah. in the salary cap draft. Realm. But look, he's coming off a 40-100 season with 70 steals. So you can understand. He also scored 149 runs last year. That's, that's yeah, I mean, it's, It was video game things of yeah. what he did. But as you're alluding to here, this is not about Ronald Acuna because we don't have much of a choice in our first overall pick. We know exactly what we're doing. But then the choices start to open up. And that's what makes like KDS really interesting this year. The Kentucky Derby system of where you want to pick because there are at least three guys that kind of open up this next tier of who could go number two. And I think that's kind of what opens up for fantasy people is after Ronald Acuna, is there a definitive? And uh, Joe, I don't know. Do you think there's well, a definitive? Well, the three contenders, or at least the ones are looking at early ADP and NFBC and some other places too, is Julio Rodriguez, which is typically where I would go. Uh, the outfielder, especially with outfield not being great this year. I think you and I would both agree. Once again, this is yeah. not the best year for outfield. So if you're in a league where you're playing five outfielders, the relative position value of that screams 
Julio to me. And you know, I had stock in Julio last year for MVP and it almost started to look good at the end of the year. Let me tell you, Julio finished with a nice little flurry. So I felt better about losing, but still it was a loss. Bobby Witt Jr. of Kansas City, obviously coming off a huge year at shortstop and Corbin Carroll, our guy last year, the mascot of the podcast. Also, we gave away free stuff autographed by Corbin Carroll directly to our winner of our home run contest last year at leading off. But Mookie Betts, also a contender. I mean, Kyle Tucker, certainly a great player. Fernando Tatis is not out of the realm of that discussion, but for me, it's Julio because of the outfield and because I think that we are still yet to see the full-scale brilliance of Julio on the main stage. You know what I mean? I feel like we've gotten some opening acts, but he is ready to play the big room. So to me, that's the guy, whereas it's not taking anything away from Witt or Carroll. They're both great players, uh, but that's where I go. But where do you go if the number two big? You know, that's actually the one thing in this whole process I wasn't really like sitting here and thinking about was the the outfield, was it the position scarcity? Because outfield is not the worst, but boy, it can get away from you really quick. And there is kind of an element of taking this entire season and saying at any point, if you had like two or three decisions to make, maybe leaning on the scarcity and outfield would be that in this case, I'm with you that Julio is there, but Julio is my number three. You would think I'm going to say Corbin Carroll, but I'm not going to say Corbin Carroll. I'm actually going to go with Bobby Witt. So I'm moving away from the outfield side. I will say this early steamer projections. There are only three players that are projected to have 30, 30 seasons. Ronald Acuna, number one. Julio Rodriguez and Bobby Witt. And Bobby Witt put up huge stolen base numbers last year. He's projected, and just think about this with him, he's projected for a 30-40 season knowing that he can overpass this. I do think another thing to consider if you were to move away from that, outside of maybe just saying shortstop is kind of big, is that the team context is the absolute worst with Bobby Witt. I mean, the more I'm talking about it out loud, maybe I thought this was so definitive that it is, I have Bobby Witt at two, but when you say it out loud, you start to think like, well, better team in Arizona, better team, theoretically, I suppose, in Seattle at this point, they'll add some more pieces. But those three are like 1A to then this 1B of like Mookie Betts, Kyle Tucker, and Fernando Tatis. The first round is really rich, but who comes after Ronald Acuna? It's no matter what going to not be definitive. And I believe in the early ADPs over on NFBC, they favor you. Julio Rodriguez is the number two from December on in NFBC drafts, the draft champions to be exact. He is number two. Bobby Witt is three. Corbin Carroll is four. Yeah, again, a lot of it has to do with the league style you're playing in. But I think any of those guys, and to your earlier point before we move on to the next headline, if you're doing KDS, I think you just take the four spot and then you're in gold. And God forbid, like, you know, you have the four spot and then there's an injury. Okay, well, you're, you have to settle for Mookie Betts. Oh, well, like life will go on. Your team will still be really good at baseball. You know, I did a draft champions uh, just a couple days ago. I set my KDS one, two, four, three, and I prioritize four over three just to be like, you know what? I'll take the best of the four that's after. And then, I mean, I guess in theory, you could have just gone one, four, two, three, if you want, but I just flipped it up a little bit because I really do think four is valuable this year. All right. Next headline, the Yankees flipped it up a little bit and uh, they brought in Juan Soto to join Aaron judge. It's quite a one, two punch. And uh, this is our number two headline of the offseason. Obviously, we'll get to Otani stuff in a second, everybody. We don't want to kill you with Otani stuff at the top. But look, Juan Soto is still a free agent at the end of this year. Now he's moving into this Yankee Stadium ballpark, which is a much different home run friendly environment. I know some of the studies tell you, well, last year, actually, he wouldn't have hit quite so many home runs. But like, look, at the end of the day, Juan Soto's in a great spot here. Uh, I don't think the spotlight of New York is going to be a problem for him. He is a big time guy. If you go back to the performance in the World Series, he's not a guy that shied away from the spotlight in any way, shape, or form. And, you know, up until the the latter part of last year, you and I talked about him leading off. The numbers in San Diego when he was at home 
ever since that trade. They were not great for whatever reason. We don't know what that reason is. Was it a visual thing of seeing the baseball? Was it the West Coast time thing? Who knows what it was, but it wasn't great. Now he's got a chance to put up some monster numbers and he's going to hit the free agent market. So your expectations here, because we're looking at these guys going back to back in ADP at 12 and 11. So do you think, do you have a preference, I should say, maybe of one of these two, or are you just happy to get either of them in a draft? So what I am very curious about is like, I immediately went to positivity on Juan Soto. And the reason why we talk about Juan Soto here over uh, Shohei Otani is we're also talking about the fantasy headline. Like, th- this is big impactful for Otani, but Juan Soto moving from San Diego to, to, to New York, I think really changed his value. I put him into the single digits of my first round from him not being whatever you said it was like 11 or 10. It is interesting the ballpark factors from an overall ballpark standpoint. Yankees are a little bit closer to medium, where, where Padres have the second worst ballpark factors, according to. To, uh, base, uh, baseball savant, but for left-handed hitters, Padres have the third worst and the Yankees have the fourth worst, which is really fascinating. Yet his projections are through the roof. Steamers got him at almost 40 homers, 100 plus run and RBI, double digit stolen bases, and I believe a 284 average. I mean, it is literally more across the board at every single spot except for stolen bases. I think Juan Soto is ready to thrive in New York, and I'm not going to buy too much into whatever this might be from a negative-ish uh, left-handed ballpark factor for New York. I think he is going to absolutely mash out there, and I'm putting Soto over Aaron Judge right it now. Felt so I, I good, really, by the way, to do the nerd voice. I haven't done it for the baseball stuff in a long oh, that, time. Yeah, well, if I if I looked at the uh, <clears throat> the uh, the hardest hit rate percentage of my uh, if for the barrel overs uh, over over war, yeah, the Wobicon uh, versus the uh, left-handed hitters. In the I crossed the Wobicon once. It was very difficult. Uh, but with Soto, I think the biggest thing, and this is the better in me, like the Yankees are a very public team. You're going to pay through the roof for Soto. You're going to pay a premium for Soto. Not that you weren't anyway. Like you were going to pay first round value for him, but if you're in those salary cap leagues, especially in East Coast leagues, you know, you're in the barrel with a bunch of Yankee fans. There's going to be excitement. You're going to pay more of a premium. So you have to decide whether or not you want to let that go or you want to go after it. I'm very excited about Soto being there. I think Aaron Judge is excited to have somebody else. I have concerns about the rest of that lineup, though, because I think it's got huge question marks in it. We'll see just how good the Yankees really are. But look, this goes a long way. I think they're still very top heavy. You're going to have a lot of bounce back years potentially up for grabs. But if they don't, who are you wanting? By the way, I've always been a Soto guy. You know that. So I, I, I'm i going to lean towards Soto. I mean, look, I'm fine with either of them. I don't think there's a big distinguishable difference. It's a matter of like, you know, Judge is probably going to hit more home runs. Judge has had some injuries, too, in the past, too, that we have to, you know, factor in. Soto's been a pretty durable player over his young career. Uh, and I would also say, you know, in those OBP leagues, you make that decision there. Like you, you go ahead and you take Juan Soto because he's been an OBP machine for his entire life. And you know what? Probably in those five by five leagues, too. You know, the, the 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 batting average for Judge has fluctuated over the years. You know, you get the 280s, the 311s, you know, that, that sort of thing. You know, with Juan Soto, I feel pretty good about, you know, he's been in the 300s and then he moved to San Diego and all of a sudden that average dropped to 241 back up last year to 275. But I think he's more of a 300 kind of hitter. And early in his career, 292, 298, uh, 282 rather, 351, 313. I mean, I think this guy's got a little bit more upside in the batting average too. So yeah, let's I move agree. on to the next one here. Okay, it's time to talk about Otani. He goes to the Dodgers for, you know, millions and millions of dollars, and it's it's a huge contract. He got a hitting contract, and he got a pitching contract, because the Dodgers, obviously, you're telling you, Welsh, he's pitching again. And that that's good. The only problem I have with this, from a keeper standpoint, in the fantasy world, is I don't like this whole mystery surgery that he had. Well, it wasn't Tommy John, well, and we don't really talk about it. 
it doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy. That's the only thing. And this year, he's only a hitter. We don't have to worry about that. In redraft leagues, I'm going to ask you two questions. Is he a first-round pick for you? And Dynasty, do you have faith that well, everything just goes back to normal in 2025 and he becomes a, the Otani menace to society that he's been the last two years? Yeah, I think the the first question is the most important here to fantasy, but I'll answer the other one real quick. Yes, I absolutely think you make this contract with some of its caveats all built around he's going to pitch, he wants to pitch. Otani also kind of gets exactly what he wants. There's no chance he's done with pitching. So we're getting back there. So from a dynasty perspective, I don't think you have much to worry about from there. For how you treat him this year, I think it's really interesting because there is really no reason for him to sit on any day. So he could put up 155, maybe 160, whatever. He could play every single day. He could be more aggressive on the base paths. A lot of chatter about like, oh, he wants to have a triple crown. Like you could do those type of things, but he is util only. So I think that is what the big question here, the name value itself, whom we boost up because it's Otani. He's a Dodger, but where is the balance of no position and locking down that util, which is a little different than usual, by the way. In past years, it's like, oh, I took him. Now I can't have Jordan Alvarez. The only thing you're taking away from yourself is like, oh, you can't have JD Martinez. That's like the only player you're taking away with one util. So is the positionless thing a hindrance to wanting no. to have his stats? And I, I say no. Yeah. I say he's a first round pick. I think he's going to pop. As a 35 to 40 homer guy, 20 plus, to, I think he could be more aggressive on the base paths, if I'm being honest. I think he could go 25 30 this year. I think well, he's going to be monster numbers. You don't have to worry about the pitching. Scenario. That's my that, point. I think that's something you definitely held back in the past, but I'm with you. I think this guy's still a first round pick, even though he's a DH guy. I forget it's He's not clogging your DH spot or utility spot. He is producing from there. So let's not pretend about like this? you don't want that productivity. How about this? Uh, Shohei Otani or Aaron Judge? Hmm. That's an interesting one. I think I'd lean judge, but it's real close. What about you? I mean, I, it's real close. You know, and ADP is real close in that too. They're telling you Yeah, the same I think thing. his fifth I think Otani's Aaron like 15. Judge is 11 right now and Otani's a 14 in the current uh, I mean, they're right there. There's an argument to say like I want to say judge for like some obvious reasons, outfield being kind of a hindrance, also elite elite powers. This might be a really good time to jump back into the market early early of betting like home run leader Aaron Judge and getting like good odds. You should prioritize big power, but the only thing is is that's like us pretending Otani isn't a massive power guy. Like there's 40 home run potential with 20 plus stolen bases in Maybe the greatest one, two, three we have had in the last 20 years. I mean, mm-hmm. I off the top of my head, I can't think of a better bets, Otani, Freeman, one, two, three that's out there, which if he is sandwiched between them, running RBI potential is through the roof. Oh, it's great. Spot. I'm going to I'm going to say judge. But boy, check back in a month. That might be different. And, yeah. and don't worry about the DH uh, util only thing. Well, like, I, I think it's also there's no transition here for judge at all. I mean, not that I'm worried about that for Otani, but it is a different stadium it's a different you know it's still la i get it. it's still california all that stuff but I, I don't know i mean it's still a different team different thing you know sometimes it's not stuff to get used to with judge it's just judge with the yankees so uh, you know if, if i'm kind of whittling down to all the the x factors it's just a little less to worry yeah. about when it comes to judge so when you're making first round picks that's the stuff you got to worry about but regardless a great pick there's still some guys on the board for number four in our headlines here bellinger does not have a home blake snell does not have a home i would even throw jordan montgomery in that mix because i think that guy sure. is the better return on investment he's probably going to go for cheaper than blake snell and i think you might get more consistency out of him snell obviously cy young winner 
Well, we've seen this before. Cy Young and then bust the following year. He is Blake Snell after all. Cody Bellinger, uh, a rebirth for him last season. So these guys don't have landing spots. Uh, The question is, in early drafting, uh, does this bother you at all? And where do you think they might end up? I know the Angels have been a talk here for Blake Snell. Uh, We've also heard either Toronto or Chicago maybe going back there for Bellinger. If I'm Bellinger, I go back to Chicago because that seemed to be working out pretty well. And I don't want to screw around with something that's working after I've had so much time of things not working in Los Angeles. So this was a good situation for him. I think he should go back there. But what do you think about these two and potentially even three Montgomery if you want to throw him in the mix too? Yeah, I think they're fascinating because both of them have these big warts off of production. If you just look at production as a whole, you go, holy crap, you know, we should be all in on Bellinger. 2020 season, improved strikeout rate. The problem is is everything underlying barrel percentage ended up being like the worst of his career hard hit percentage the absolute worst of his career xba was down the strikeouts obviously better but you know what he did was he transformed his approach and his swing and he ended up taking a lot off of his ability to have high-end power so his destination is important i'd heard rumors of toronto don't think that's going to happen i think it returns to chicago and I actually think that helps his value but it's so odd that they're both just sitting out there mm-hmm. and they're both don't have really high ADPs. And I don't think it's necessarily just because of the team. It's these guys have such big worries. And I think nobody believes what happened with Bellinger. And I think if he goes to the Cubs, he sustains many other places. He's going to drop in value. I'm off of Bellinger this year. Snell is as risky as well because obviously Cy Young, immense strikeout numbers, but crazy walks, crazy, crazy walks. My positive run on this is that he really transformed the pitching style. You know, his curveball ended up having a 56% whiff rate, one of the highest single pitch whiff rates in baseball this year. The changeup that he always got screamed about, he threw it 18% of the time, 46% whiff rate. He had a 46-plus percent whiff rate on three of his four pitches. Elite. He just can't control. Blake Snell, I actually personally think the drafters are kind of sleeping on, and I think the destination could bump him up, but I think the walks will keep him down. Yeah, like if it's the Angels, it could even bump him down a little bit or keep him where he is. That's a good point. I think that's the the most interesting thing. And again, that's a headline we'll be following uh, every week here uh, until we have clarity. Number five. Did early starting pitchers and pocket aces basically die into the glob right now? I mean, last year we talked about this, and this is a big headline going into this year because we were ahead of the curve last year. You and I were very pro a specific strategy. It was targeting the group of 1As, the clusters of pitchers, the Kevin Gossmans of the world, per se, the uh, the guys that uh, the Joe Musgroves, you know, say, oh, we'll take Joe Musgrove, we'll take this guy. Well, there were a lot of pitchers that we thought had much better return on investment value. Even Luis Castillo, I think, last year was one of those guys, right? They weren't the guys going in the first two rounds. We faded them, and it worked out very well. Plus, also buying in bulk in those rounds worked out. Is that going to be the strategy for this year, too? Because we are, once again, in a spot where, you know, you have one or two, maybe three guys you can have that conversation about in the starting pitcher realm that you think are the top guys, the Striders, Coles. You want to throw Burns and Wheeler in there and Castillo, okay. But then after that, if you go down here a little bit further, you might get a Yamamoto at a discount. A Framber Valdez is a guy, too, that could be floating around there. We saw how good Ferdy Peralta was. Logan Webb is so consistent. Senga with the strikeouts. There's a lot of opportunity here to buy more than one guy as opposed to going early pitcher. But where do you stand so far going into the season in that question? Yeah, let me even flip it a tiny bit, is Pocket Aces was super popular. Early pitching has kind of been a staple, but there's been a big, massive off-season conversation, and it has been 
I'm going to let pitching drop and drop because of this glob. And it kind of started last year. That's what you were alluding to. Mm -hmm. You and I were pinpointing where a lot of the pitching values were instead of paying like high, high prices or being very picky about where you pay the high prices. But pocket aces kind of died last year. So dead this year. But what's interesting is the trend in early drafts, NFBC specific, the biggest risers are pitchers like pitching is coming back up so as people are digging in and starting to draft we're not seeing necessarily any pocket ace type of strategy or you know two pitchers going in the first three rounds but the singular singular players in december that rose from november and october drafts all pitchers all pitchers i think that's also a symptom of people digging in and realizing oh my i don't like what i see here at the bottom of this well so I'm going to prioritize some of the guys that I do like, and I'll be more aggressive on them. I think that's what's happening. It's not even so much that they love the guys that they're moving up as much as they don't like the guys that are at the bottom of that barrel and they don't want to be swimming in there. Yeah. And I think also just to add to it is everyone has this perception because so many are like really smart people use this word glob and everyone thinks like, oh, they're just like kind of all the same. But I think is actually happening is people are identifying what you're saying. People are doing their work. They're identifying the tiers better. And the understanding is I agree with this. There is value in pitching way further than having to get like two top five starting pitchers. No, uh, but yeah, what people uh, are prioritizing, though, is getting one and then pairing that person with the upside later. The Bobby Millers, the Grayson Rodriguez's, the the well, even um, Joe the Ryan, Yuri who Perez's. very well at times last year. Kyle Bradish last year. I mean, there's guys that are out there. Justin Steele still doesn't get enough credit. He's like the 40th pitcher off the board practically. I, look, there's a lot of discussion here to be had about these pitchers, Welsh, and we're going to have a lot. But I tell you right now, I am. I wrote up all the pitchers in the Black Book this year. I did all the profiles, 10,000 words worth. My big takeaway is I am, again, fading the top tier. I will miss them. I love them. I wish them the best. But I'm going to hit that middle tier hard. And I think that middle tier is very productive yet again. And speaking of that tier that... Well, this guy is not quite there. He's a little bit higher than that, but I think it's going to go even higher is Yamamoto, who is now part of that Dodger incredible investment in the offseason. His ADP is all the way up to 56 right now. Uh, if you look on the ECR rankings early too, it's funny because he's at 19 and you've got Tyler Glass now at 11. I could see by the time we get to, I don't know, pitchers and catchers reporting or maybe even March 1st, maybe that even leapfrogs itself uh, i just think the buzz on this guy is going to be ridiculous and who did you say it was uh, yamamoto and who glass now and Gla- I, I actually might ha- i have um i have him above glass now i think in my ranks i probably screwed that a little bit yeah but the, the, what i'm saying is there's a gap now i don't think it's going to be a gap very long yeah no no oh no and, and i have it flipped i'm saying yeah. i have yamamoto above well, you're ahead of the glass curve you're right always now, so. you're always ahead of the curve well, i'm trying to be but yeah. yeah this is a big one and this is one of so when i just told you the and, and also in that last question is kind of identifying like is the glob dead? It's not dead, but I think the glob has multiplied. There's little globbies now, so everybody's talking about that. There's just and that's called tears, by turn. the way. I don't know. What yeah, well, but I'm just saying that's called tears, by the way. Tears are beca- becoming more identifiable. Identifiable. Yamamoto is one of those pitchers that has risen, obviously, with having a home with the Dodgers. Uh, in draft champions since December first, he does have a min pick of thirty overall. Thirty. Overall, so just think about that. That is where somebody started making that investment. Um, for perspective, Freddie Peralta, who has a higher ADP, his men pick forty six. Aaron Nola thirty nine. His ADP is fifty. Tariq Skubal, one of the hottest names out there, 
44 men pick. So Yamamoto's upside in early drafters is that projections are favorable, uh, almost a 10K per nine, little over two walk per nine, 184 innings and a sub four ERA. They don't know how to do that in projections yet, but I'm in and Yamamoto is definitely going to be somebody you're going to want to pay attention to in that mid tier, maybe starting off your SPs and he is on the rise. Yeah, I think he's going to get very close to that top 10 by the time we get there, if not in the top 10 uh, by the time we get to the thick of draft season. All right, let's go to some more headlines. Number seven here. Are you ready for the ADPs of some of these young players? Nolan Jones at 55, Royce Lewis at 49, and CJ Abrams, who, if you were watching the show last year, we talked about him as being one of these great late round picks. Take a shot. He's got some pop. He's got a lot of speed with the changes in stolen bases. My goodness, Abrams was one of the great. I screamed about those stolen bases. I screamed you about screamed, that. Last I year. screamed. We all screamed for CJ Abrams. Uh, there's some other guys too. I remember Lane Thomas was a guy we screamed about too, who's a free pick last year. There was a lot of good free stuff in the dollar store. This year, you got to pay for stuff. I'm good with Nolan Jones. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of his. How about these three guys, Lewis, Jones, and Abrams? You still buying at the ADPs that they're currently going at, which is pretty steep. Yeah, you 100%. We went from Dollar General to Target for sure, and they might keep going up. Uh, all of them, and that's the main thing to let you know. There's a couple of these headlines is, are you prepared and are you ready for the ADPs of these players that were great values last year? Because you are paying up. Am I comfortable? I'm comfortable with Abrams, and some people just aren't. I am a little bit worried the power is going to depreciate, but I do think the stolen bases are 40-plus. He's good runs. If you want to go with a heavy stolen base strategy, I'm good. Am I comfortable with Royce Lewis? I am, and some people aren't. I think Royce Lewis can put up similar Gunnar Henderson numbers, and he's usually Mm. going about a round or two later. Projected 27 homers, 13 stolen bases, uh, 270 batting average this year. Am I comfortable with Nolan Jones? I'm not. I'm not as comfortable with Nolan Jones. Some high BABIP numbers. Colorado helps for sure. He's a good OBP guy. He stole some big bases, but his cost comes, I think, at a really high spot. Though I will say... He's outfield, and that's one of those places that you want to be, but you're going to have to pay a top 50 price. I trust the bat less with Nolan Jones than I do with Royce Lewis, and C.J. Abrams, I trust the speed maybe more than anything of all three of those guys. Well, Nolan Jones, last time I checked, is playing in Colorado still, so I'm going to trust Colorado. I'm going to trust it. I'm going to trust it all the way back. I'm going to take him anyway. Uh, I feel okay about Royce Lewis's value. Okay. I'm a little bit more Mm. in the show me stage with Royce Lewis than you are and a lot of other people. And then as far as CJ Abrams, like we told you last year, I'm not ready to anoint him either, but I think what you saw in the second half of last year was very encouraging. And if you recall too, I remember in season you did trade videos. People dropped him in a lot of shallow leagues. Right. And I was doing waiver wire videos, but Hey, you should be picking up CJ Abrams if people dropped him. Like this is nuts. And it was rough, but the, the two of us, did not waver on this. And we always thought, give it time, give it time. And sometimes you got to be patient with certain guys. Uh, another, and and real ahead. quick, the last thing I want to add to it is Abrams costs the most, but of these three, the biggest buzz is with Nolan Jones. <laughs> Min pick 33 of Royce Lewis, who's higher. Min pick 29 for CJ Abrams, who's 20 spots higher. Min pick 33 for Nolan Jones. He has the same highest pick as Royce Lewis and only four spots below CJ Abrams, yet their ADP is out. Nolan Jones has the biggest widespread buzz going on about him. Colorado's safe, but is that bat safe? We'll see short sample size, but he was pretty amazing. 
Next headline is the buzz really isn't with Mike Trout anymore. Number eight, uh, Mike Trout is a player that, look, he hasn't played 150 games in the season since 2016, Welsh. I mean, that's just the hard truth of it. I know in 2022, he had a 40-80 season. It was terrific. The stolen bases are gone now. It's it's not a thing. So in an era where now you're getting so many steals, it's kind of interesting. You're getting a discount on Trout, but the question is, is it enough of a discount? Do you like the Trout ADP at 72? Is that fair? Is that good? Is that still investable in your opinion, considering the time he always misses? And now he doesn't have Otani around him either to help out. I think it's a completely fair question, but sometimes you got to just look and say, is this too good of a value? And is the risk, is the juice worth the squeeze, as I've been told over many years? An acronym that I can, or uh, a saying that I can actually say properly. It's not well, an acronym. I'm, I'm hoping at some point you say it improperly, but it's, it's Yeah, well, I call it year. an acronym, so that was incorrect. So, that was, uh, but it's just, <laughs> yeah, that, that was wrong. I did something <laughs> wrong, so don't worry. Uh, that was at least uh, that. But, and 2024, some things change, but Welshisms never do. No, no, no. <laughs> that, uh, we got to start the Welshism book this year, so let's start yeah. collecting them and There's we'll one. do that at the end of the year. But my point is, is like, okay, every year you pay second round for Mike Trout, he gets hurt you pay third round for mike trout he gets hurt you go fourth round now you're talking fifth or sixth round people are pushing him back he's in the 70s or 80s if you want a little bit of positivity projections in his favor 37 homers from steamer almost 100 100 around a 260 batting average strikeouts have been a little bit higher i think he's pressed he's risen those for three straight years the health is the biggest question so this is the balance it's like do you think the production is still there from Trout? I do. Is health the main issue? Yeah, of course. Can I stomach that in the 70s? Yes, I can, especially with the theoretical upside of a 40-100-100 guy. You can't get that. It's hard to get that. You can get that from maybe Kyle Schwarber with a two, you know, 5 batting average. You can't get that in the other spots. I think this is the deal time, and I will invest in Mike Trout, and I'll take that risk this year in the outfield post-70 every time. Look, I like Logan O'Hoppy. Uh, you know, we can have debates about Taylor Ward all day long. I just don't think there's a lot to like here with the Angels. And unless something gets better fast, he's just a, a lone guy with no lineup protection now who I don't want to say he's past his prime, but he's past his elite years. I think that's the best way to put it. So I would take him. I mean, he's going around the same spot as Christian Yelich. So yeah, like, okay, if you're going to give him to me there, I will take him there. But I think as time goes on, that ADP is also going to rise. Who would you guy rather who, have, Cody Bellinger or Mike Trout this year? Cody Bellinger. I had I'm zero chill, Trout. zero hesitation on that one. Why Give you don't have Trout. the same? You're still Mike no, Trout. I don't. I don't. I, I don't trust. I love that Bellinger became a better, more patient hitter with less yeah. strikeouts. I don't trust that the counting Bellinger stats are there in, in Chicago. Chicago if he comes back to the Cubs, then then again, that in my mind, that's the Bellinger I see. So that's yeah. hence my quick answer. What about your answer when it comes to Evan Carter? Number nine, our headlines. We got one more after this. Evan Carter. Is he this year's Corbin Carroll? We told everybody Corbin Carroll was going for power. He did. We told Corbin Carroll was going to be a, uh, a superstar, and he was. Is Evan Carter the next superstar? He is positioned to be the next guy. We ended last season with me saying, I think this will be the guy because he won't exhaust his uh, prospect eligibility. He ended up destroying and breaking my heart. I went to two World Series games this year. Uh Fantasy Pros sent me to one of them, which is amazing. And I got to see Evan Carter hit three in the World Series for the World Series Texas Rangers, which is an incredible spot. If he's put back in that position where he is hitting behind like Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager again, that's a fantastic spot for RBIs. But is that going to continue? I'm not 100% sure. He really struggled against lefties, Could had no extra base power versus lefties this past year. Strikeouts were higher in his pro debut, which isn't a big problem. He gets on base. Here's the deal. 
I think he scores runs. He gets RBIs. But I wonder, is it more Yoshida than it is Carroll? His projections are not crazy favorable. It's under 2020, and that's not going to get you to be an, uh, a rookie of the year. He can do it if he's hitting three for this team all season. But here's the tease. The rookie of the year is probably going to come in the next episode when we talk about the 10 buzziest mm-hmm. players that are coming up because there are some rookies that do not have guaranteed roster spots that I think have higher probability than Carter, but we do know for sure that Carter is going to break camp and be on this roster from day one, and that's why that symbolism makes the most sense. Carter's still a little slight for me. Like, Corbin Carroll's yeah. a little, but Corbin Carroll's solid. I feel like the thing with Aaron Carter is too, it's like, okay, I want, I, I'm again in the show me stage with him where I want to see the slight frame hold up overseas. I think there's a guy who's going to grow into that frame over the next couple of years and be a very good player. Uh, but uh, this year in redraft, I'm probably going to be a little bit more hesitant than some others. Now, another grouping of guys here that people are not really being too hesitant on, and maybe uh, we should or shouldn't be. We'll find out. Early ADP on two guys, Cole Raggins and uh, Michael King. Uh, now, King was a guy. We want to start with him. I'll let you kind of take the ball here with Cole. But, you know, for me, King is... This is the opportunity, right? I mean, he's been waiting to be a starter. He's been basically a bullpen guy. He's had his spot starts for the Yankees. He was dominant on the bullpen. Can he now transfer that at 29 years old to San Diego into the rotation of full time? I think it's fascinating to find out. I think he's going to be a very trendy pick. We understand why. So let's start with him and then you can pick up the next one on the next guy and you tell me what your thoughts are on both of these guys and their current ADP. Yeah, and I think the biggest headline to this is if you checked out early from baseball, if you got mm-hmm. out in July, you might not understand. You go, what's a Cole Reggins? Where's a Michael King? Well, they're going to be on your teams and they're going to be in your drafts and they're going to be heavy, heavy investments. And, uh, you know, from Michael King's perspective, I think the biggest question is going to be how comfortable the Padres are going to be after trading him in the Juan Soto trade. How comfortable are they going to be pushing his innings? He had 104. He had under 110 combined the previous two years. So it's going to be what is that inning uh, amount going to look like? But he had a 30% K rate this past year and expected ERA that was in the mid threes, which was fantastic. He had a sweeper, which he used almost 30% of the time, have a 40% whiff rate, which is huge. And the fastball actually did well because he worked it off of a sinker. I think if you push, you're going to get some big strikeouts on him. And Michael King is inside the top 150. So welcome to San Diego. And Cole Reggins is kind of the Tariq Skubal excitement light, if you will. The problem is there's massive walk worries that follow him uh 10 and a half walk per nine but cole reagan's completely transformed when he became a royal he had a better expected era than his actual which was incredible his fastball ended up moving four miles an hour excuse me four miles an hour higher than the previous year became an absolutely dominant pitch and he became a strikeout king. He's got a 34% uh, whiff rate on his changeup and the fastball was one of the near elite elite. So here's the deal. If you slept on these, you don't understand them. You need to catch up because both of these players have really high strikeout upside post 100 that I think pair incredibly well with some of those safety pitchers you can get the George Kirby's, the Zach Eflin's, the Logan Webb's. If you're missing strikeouts, these are two guys, but these names will jump out to you if you dipped out early in baseball. So welcome into the pitching targets post 100, Michael King and Cole Reagans. I'll take them both. And welcome to 2024, everybody. We are here. Baseball's back, and so are we. Make sure you drop your comments below on the YouTube channel. We want to hear from you. 
What are your most important headlines for the 2024 fantasy baseball season? We love to hear from you guys uh, and make sure you subscribe to fantasy bros, MLB, wherever you get your podcast. And of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Click that bell till it goes ding. We're going to have videos. We're going to have podcasts. We're going to have daily shows. Oh, so much fun. Incredible guests. It's going to be like the Muppet show. Hopefully with everybody's hands being visible. Cause you never know with the Muppet show where people's hands are. The whole thing. Let's do it, Joe. <laughs> um, on that note, that'll do it for us. But the story of the game goes on. For the Welsh, I'm Joey P. Baseball is back, kids. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>